0: cool thanks for your love and support in advance simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go now on to the show welcome to the prolific writer podcast where speed's the name of the game Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer podcast host, Ryan Pelton, and I'm really glad that you stopped by. However, you found us on the train, in the gym, in the car. On the highways, on the byways, on the back roads, on the side roads, on the main roads. However you found us, glad that you are here. This is the podcast that's dedicated to writing fast, writing often, and writing well. Thanks for stopping by. And we have a great interview today with author, horror author, Chuck Buddha. And Chuck is a beginning author. Now, while he is a beginning author, don't let that fool you. He has produced over 20 books so far in the last couple of years. So he is very, very, very prolific and really thankful to have Chuck Buddha on the show today. And we're going to have a great conversation about his journey into publishing and writing. And his influences and how he got started, how he writes so many stinking books so fast and just what he's learning along the way. And I think you're gonna be really encouraged and really inspired by this interview for a couple reasons. One is uh, Chuck has a great story and he actually wrote a book about it. You can look it up on his Amazon page about getting fired uh, from a job that he had for, I think, over 20 years in corporate America. And he talks a little bit about that, just how he had this dream of writing. And when he lost his job, he was kind of forced into really engaging this dream that he always wanted to do. He always wanted to be a writer. And so he, he thought, you know, now's the time. Uh, I lost my job. I lost my income. I have to make income for the family. So why not try this writing thing? And, and that's kind of the beginning of his journey. And it's a really cool story. And uh, Chuck is a really fun guy and a nice guy and a great guy. He was really generous with his his time, and I'm really glad that he was uh, able to come on the show. So hopefully you enjoy the interview. We'll get to that in just a moment. A couple quick updates on me and publishing and writing. I've been uh really excited about a couple things. One, a couple books coming out that I'm looking forward to and uh hopefully you will look forward to as well. Uh we got uh Antique Assassin. It's actually the the real title is an Antique Assassin, but the titles ret- called ret- Return. Um excuse me, not Return, that's the second book. It's another R Revenge. And looking forward to this book coming out, it's the third book in the Antique Assassin Adventure Crime series with Dexter O'Kane, who's the antique, delete, uh, uh, antique dealer turned hitman. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun story. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this book. There's a couple of reasons why. Uh, this was a hard book to write, and I just want to let you into a little bit of my world. Is This book actually deals with some heavy topics. And one of those things is racism. And, uh, kind of the storyline is this kind of racist organization comes into the small town in LeClaire, Missouri, where the, the stories are set and, uh, begins to kind of propagate and share this message, um, through this organization called American Renaissance. And it's just all fictional made up, but, uh, just an evil guy and, and some murders happen and there's a lot of just tension and racial tension and, and really what, what I was doing. And I was really nervous to kind of write this book because I didn't want to, to sound um, cheesy, but, but really get at the heart of what the realities are in our, in America. And, and, and this is small town America too. So, um, but you know, this is set in in modern times isn't, you know, the fifties and sixties and forties, uh, whatnot. And it it was just a, a reminder, uh, for me as I wrote is why I write and it may come off. Okay. It may not, who knows, but, But you're able to talk about these topics and these subjects in ways that aren't the same as nonfiction. And and, and it really was kind of a a healing thing for me. Uh, Just even think about my own biases, my own generalities. Um, My uh, family and I live in the inner city and, uh, you know, in a very diverse population. I am not a black man. I'm a white man. Um, But and definitely the minority here. Uh, but the things we've learned along the way. And, and so some of the story is just kind of inspired by that. And just thinking about how we're all really are created equal and uh, creating the image of God and, and, and um, you know, color isn't isn't meant to divide us and, and those kinds of things. Um, and, and so anyway, it was just kind of a, kind of a hard book to write, but, a, but hopefully an important book. And, and again, it's not preachy. It's not, um, it's still goofy and fun with Dexter and John and, all the things they're up to and and all that. But, uh, but anyway, it was just, just kind of thinking about that just in the writing process. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I also have another book off to beta readers and editors called the boardwalk. I think I've talked about that, which is kind of my mystery uh, coming of age story set in the seventies. Really excited. I'm getting some good feedback on that one. And uh, hopefully that one will get off to the editor or be finished editing in the next couple of weeks. So a couple, quite a few things coming out here in a short period of time and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, so I'm still cranking out the words, still cranking out the books. And, and one other thing I, I wanted to kind of pimp, if you will, is a service called Insta Freebie. And uh, I was made aware of this great service and uh, trying to build just kind of a email list uh, of fans and people getting a book. And it's a way to kind of get it, give out your work free and you get people to sign up on your mailing list and get out the information. And so instafreebie.com and, and I have one of my books for free there. And it's been great. Uh, I've had dozens and dozens of signups and, uh, and that's good. I didn't really have much of a, a mailing list. I was kind of working on it and wasn't very large, but it's been great. Been able to interact with some fans and interact with some people and, and, uh, and yeah, so check it out. instafreebie.com if you're a writer and it's a great tool, great resource as well. So check on that out, check, check on that out or check that out. You know, sometimes when I talk, my brain goes faster than my mouth and that's a problem. So I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to get to the interview with Chuck Buddha and you can find all Chuck stuff, chuckbudda.com and I hope you enjoy the interview and I'll talk to you guys real soon.
1: That's why I do that. But, you know, I, I appreciate the compliments about our show. I, I want to say I love your show because of the psychological aspect that you come at writing. You know, you talk about all the stuff that I, I just sit when I listen to your shows. I nod my head the whole time because I'm like, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You talk about, you know, the, the editing voice inside and and the naysayer voice inside. And um, so I find your show just as helpful to Same. me and my process. So I, I really appreciate it. So
0: you're, you're one of the four people, huh? I was wondering who that was, <laughs> you and your wife and your two kids. That I, would be...
1: No, they, they want nothing to do with writing. <laughs> right. Right.
0: I know. Isn't that funny? My, um, so, uh, so anyway, um, Chuck Buddha here and, um, we, we kind of just, if it's all right, we just jumped right in and, um, talking about writing and, craft and things and it's it's kind of interesting how you know as writers too that my wife doesn't really care that much i mean she loves me but doesn't really care (laughs) and and i think there's an assumption that your friends and your family are going to be the ones that are your biggest fans and and i think they are as you know as humans as a person you know you can do whatever and they'll support you but you know they're not going to be the ones leaving reviews and reading all your stuff i mean there's a few exceptions but most of the time they they don't they're like oh that's cute
1: I'm probably the exception because I'm a horror writer, and nobody I know, uh, family or friend. Well, I have one friend who reads horror, but everybody else uh, wants nothing to do with it. So I I have a hard time getting anybody I know to read my stuff. Sure, yeah, uh, which is better because I can hide, you know, what's really going on in my mind. So they'll they'll never see it because they won't read the books.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's <laughs> not so true. I mean, in in, in writing is so subjective. I, I think you know wh- what I've tried to talk about on our show too is. Uh, there's just this idea that we act as if there's there's one way to tell a story or there's one style but but it's so funny how books I love you you wouldn't love and vice versa and um mm-hmm. and it it really it's funny like you were talking earlier about description and i i it sounds like we write very similarly i i don't like books with tons of description because I like to be the one to kind of in my mind make the story or, or imagine the, the story. I don't want them to tell me every little detail. You know, that table was brown and the wall was gray and, you know, it was hot out and all that. And But just giving those little beats so that it kind of brings you into the scene. But but those are the kind of books I like. I like stories that are fast and straightforward and, you know, exciting. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I like James Patterson. I, I read a book probably... 12 years ago on a plane I literally read it going there and going home in one sitting and I go what he doesn't tell you anything about the description and yet I couldn't put the story down um and that's exactly yeah, I, yeah. so go ahead
1: I'm sorry I, I I do the same um you know you could tell me five times in in the book that the character's hair is red mm-hmm. uh But based on how that character is acting or or speaking, uh, I've already attributed my characteristics to that character and I see them the way I see them. So, uh, you know, I have a hard time when I see movies being made from books that I've enjoyed because I've already imagined what that character is like uh, in my mind. So, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I, I just like to to read and and keep flipping the pages and not worry so much about the the setting and, and what people are wearing because in my mind I, I already fill in those gaps. Um, you know, so that, that's kind of how I come at my horror, almost like a thriller standpoint, you know, Mm -hmm. without too much description. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I noticed you, a lot of your books, you have, you know, short chapters. Um, what would you say is kind of the average, I mean, is it like a scene per chapter kind of thing? What would you say like average word count on a chapter?
1: Um yeah my average word count is probably anywhere from 1000 to like 1300 words and I typically like to keep uh the chapter to one scene uh, you know sometimes if I don't have enough to say um and and it's just really something brief that I want to get across to the reader I'll I'll split it into a couple of scenes in one chapter but for the most part I like to keep chapters um as a scene I I just find it flows better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's also, there's something about the reader experience and not getting convoluted. Um, you want the, you know, you don't want to lose the reader either. And I I think sometimes just those natural breaks of chapters is actually helpful because you're saying, okay, this, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. I, I heard that actually those little lines or the little dots, depending on how you I've done in books too, but, um, those are actually started by publishers, and it's not actually the authors that have done that. And so they, when they, you know, put out their book, they actually break up the, the chapter. You know, it could be like three scenes in a chapter with those little lines or whatever. And it's kind of stupid. Hmm. I mean, because as a as an indie writer, you can just say, "Well, why did I do that? I'll just write another chapter."
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I well, will break you know if i do put multiple scenes in a chapter i'll break it with those lines but that's funny i never knew that that was created by the publishers yeah it's, I just it's, it, it's, the author.
0: it was kind of just a pragmatic decision and i don't get it i mean i don't understand why maybe they don't want the books to be too long or something but um but anyway so so chuck so good to have you on the show and uh i've been following you as i said uh you and armand and your um humorous banter back and forth, <laughs> the young, good-looking writer, aspiring writer, the um, and the old, grizzled veteran that shoots you down constantly and tells you you're worthless and terrible and you're doing it all wrong. Um, but it's actually a very good good podcast because it, it kind of gets you into the mindset and the thoughts about just all kinds of different things related to writing and things. Um, but I wanted to get kind of back to your kind of origin story and, and how this all, this racket uh, began, um, kind of a little bit of your, your story of how how did you even uh, start writing, why you write predominantly in the horror genre, and I, I know you write a little, some other stuff, but but mainly horror, and um, kind of wh- where did that all start, and why are you a storyteller and a writer, and, and, and all of that? I'd love to hear uh, some of that.
1: Okay, well, uh, you would have to be more specific in terms of rackets, because I have many rackets going, so... <laughs> But uh, in terms of how I started, uh, you know, I, I started – I've been a lifelong reader. Uh, my parents turned me on to reading at an early age. So, um, you know, like a lot of people from my generation, and not to date myself too much, but um, I grew up reading the Hardy Boys and James Bond and playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And um, and then I discovered Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King, and I said, whoa, you know, what is this? And and so I started I created my own novel. Uh, The first novel I ever created was um, an unfinished piece, actually, and it was a a James Bond knockoff. So, uh, you know, it was pretty funny. I I, I had a a, a, almost like a British spy, but he was American. So I didn't finish that, but I I always wrote for myself. You know, I was a closet writer. So um, I, I spent years writing either poems or short stories and other things for myself and Um, it wasn't until I actually lost my job two years ago to, uh, overseas outsourcing that, you know, I kind of had a midlife crisis and said, well, it's time to do something about your dream. You know, I've always dreamed about publishing a book and, um, you know, it's now or never, I I have no excuse now. I always had the excuse that, you know, my muse was too tired from sitting in meetings and working on projects all the time. and, And now I didn't have that excuse. So, uh, so that's how it started. And, uh, you know, once, once I began that I, I caught the bug, you know, um, kind of like you, I've listened to your show a bunch and, and I love your show too, from the psychological aspect, but, you know, I know that you listen to the self-publishing podcast and those guys and, and I actually studied them for, you know, a year or two before I kicked off my own process. And, uh, you know, so I, I believe in that whole thing, you know, write a lot and write fast and, and just keep going. So um, that's kind of what I've been doing. And in terms of horror, I started with horror just because, um, you know, I remember being a little kid and going to bed and, and my parents would go out to dinner and our babysitter would come over and, and watch, you know, Creature Double Feature or something on uh one of the the public channels and and I would sneak out of my room and watch from behind the couch and and I was just smitten so um I just love the horror genre always been a big fan of it
0: well, great, yeah, I think there's always this kind of um you, you always you tend to to write what you like or what you enjoy you know um I think writing what you know is ridiculous because most of us have never killed anyone or you know even shot a gun or i've never been in a high speed chase um <laughs> not yet but um but you know the but the idea that that there's these influences and and you kind of read these things and you go hey i could write that or or i could i could do that or or just i, I think you know when i talk a lot about the psychological the the kind of internal stuff it's you write the stuff you want to read and um you've said that too is the things that the stories you you find entertaining and fun and and, you know because you really have to love what you're writing or you just can't do it Um, you know I think there's a lot of talk about writing to market these days and I just I think that's just really bad advice Um, I think writing to market really is just about making money and not much else because a a lot of people don't okay sci-fi is big but if you don't like sci-fi, I don't like sci-fi. Why am I going to write that and spend hours and hours and and sometimes weeks and months writing something I hate
1: reading? <laughs> so um, yeah, and that and one of the points that you just mentioned, and, and I know that you've talked about it in several of your your other episodes, is um, you know writing for yourself, and and I find a lot of times that I vacillate between writing, you know, in my mind to market, and then also writing for myself. So. You know, Armand makes, um, he makes fun of me sometimes on the record or off the record because I I write, you know, stuff that's not typical of, of the market. So I have like a supernatural Western horror series. Um, you know, I have this fantasy and this dream, uh, which is quickly becoming a reality of writing a Viking slash black metal um, series, which, you know, I love Vikings and I love black metal music. So, um, you know... Th- those you take a niche like horror which is small to begin with and then you further narrow it by doing you know western horror or black metal horror and you know you could see i'm clearly not in it for the money because it's you know i'm talking to probably five people in the in the entire planet that will be interested in those things but um but it's what I'm interested in, you know? So I I do have like a zombie series where in my mind I'm writing to market, you know, because that's what a lot of people are into. And, and I do like the characters and the stories, but my true love is, is really the other stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. You have to, you have to love what you're doing or else it's going to become work.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to hear, you know, the self-publishing podcast guys, you know, um, sean and johnny and dave they they talk a lot about doing kind of the mixing in those kind of passion projects that they're yeah. very very open about that won't sell anything um because because it's not about making money and it's not uh, it's about creating stories you really want to tell and sometimes those stories that i mean we it's interesting how those, some of those stories that are that are the best ones are often the ones that aren't read but they're but they're the ones that I think touch the most people. Um, I, I find interesting. I'm a big Stephen King fan, and and you know his non horror stuff is some of my favorite books of all time. I mean, you know Green Mile, and um, you know the the short the short stories. You know the based on Shawshank Redemption, and you know the the Stand by Me story, and I mean that, those are just phenomenal books, and yet how many people would you go, Hey, have you seen Shawshank Revenge? Gempsons, you know, that was a short story by Stephen King. They'd say, no, it's not. Um, and, and so, you, you know, I think there's, there's a good story is a good story, even if it doesn't fit ni- nice and neat in a genre or in a, in a topic or a subject. Um, and I mean, you probably know this too, but you know, really genres and, and categories are just for bookstores. And um, you know, they originally were just, cause you got to put them on a shelf somewhere. And so, yeah. you know, you put it mystery, thriller, horror, you know, nonfiction, fiction. But when you – how many times have you picked up a story and go, this isn't really a mystery. This isn't really a – you know, um, usually it crosses genre in many different ways.
1: Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And, and, you know, I categorize myself as a horror writer and because I come at my stories from a horrific standpoint. You know, it's always um, – something terrible whether it's psychological or it's a serial killer or it's you know some kind of creature or monster but um you know but like I said before I I write with a thriller slant so I, I tend to think of my stories as kind of a hybrid of you know horror slash thriller and um and then it's got some elements of of weird in there too so you know some of it may be considered, you know, bizarre or almost like uh, Robert E. Howard, like weird type fiction. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of everything, but I guess mo- mostly I, I consider it horror. Um, but I think you're right. You know, none of us really um, read in just one genre. So to kind of pinhole yourself into, in, you know, one specific aspect is sometimes difficult. So.
0: And it's funny because even when we pick up like a horror book, I mean, how many of them have you know storyline, love storylines mixed in, and you know mysteries mixed in? And uh, I mean, I think that's what's so great about novels is is they're they're never just one thing. Um, and, and that's the you know they deal with relationships, they deal with um, all kinds of things. It's interesting. I, I was reading this book. Um, it's I don't even know that I forget the title, but but they did this big huge research project on what on really on um, best selling books. And what was it that kind of drew in people? What what drew in the audience? And what were the elements in the books that were really intriguing? And and it was interesting. They did a study and they realized that sex was not one of them. Um, hmm. Drugs was not one of them. Alcohol was not one of them. Because I mean, often you know we create these characters that are you know <laughs> alcoholics or you know whatever. It, it wasn't that at all. But actually, you know, things like family was a big one. You know, having a storyline of of families doing ordinary things. Um, and, you know, and, and I think some of the other ones listed were also just kind of ordinary things that people do. And their their whole point was there's, um, you know, also tr- tragedy, you know, death, because everybody can relate to that. Um, you know, I, I think there's, the, you know, not everybody can relate to being, uh, you know, addicted or, you know, alcoholic or whatever. But we can relate to, you know, having families and going to work and struggles and all that kind of stuff. And so it kind of blew went in the face of what people typically look for in books. Um, And so, you know, their thing was, well, hey, if you're going to write a book, make sure you include these kind of (laughs) elements, you know, um, (laughs) families and relationships and things like that. But, um, well, hey, so let's go back a little bit. So you lost your job a couple years ago, and um, I think you even wrote a book, if I'm not mistaken, about, you know, uh, leaving corporate America and the the challenges of that, which uh, was a very interesting slant uh, with Zombies and yeah so you had this had this dream and wanted to you know well you didn't really have a choice but but leaving the corporate world to write um so what was kind of the beginning of that? Um you know, where did you begin? Where did you say okay, here's where I'm going to start? Did I did you have some stories in the closet you wanted to pull out? Um you know, where are you at right now? I mean, is that is this your only income or or what? W- like h- w- what was kind of the the strategy or the process of like okay, I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't have a safety net. Now what? Talk talk through a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, I, well the process was really um you know, like you said, it was forced upon me. So, um, I, I wrote that nonfiction book, uh, first, and, and it's, it's really short. You know, it's like 60 pages or something. But, uh, the reason that I wrote it was, you know, I, I, went through, um, again, going back to what you were talking about, like those universal emotions or, or things that we could relate to. Uh, you know, I was, I went into depression for uh, several months after I lost my job. It was totally outside my, um, control so you know I, I i had like a midlife crisis and i said wow you know after 25 years of of giving my blood sweat and tears and here i am with nothing now and um you know so i did a lot of soul searching and yeah i spent a lot of time uh lying around on the couch and feeling sorry for myself and and uh i started to get my act together and and so i started toying with different processes of of how to you know get myself back on my feet and uh And that's why that that book came out, you know, so I kind of wanted to help other people that were going through the same thing as me. Um, You know, but once I did that, uh, I I thought it was great and I felt uh, fulfilled because I finally published something. But um, but at the same time, I felt unfulfilled because I'm, I'm naturally a storyteller. So, you know, I've always been the one in the group to entertain you know, my friends and family and stuff with all the, the wild stories and exaggerated tales. And, um, you know, so I while I had lots of stories um, that were kind of, you know, trunked and, and that I had written for myself, I didn't feel that any of them were ready to see the light of day. So I basically started fresh and, and said, you know, well, what do I want to write about? And I knew it was going to be horror. And I started there and then um, started piecing you know, characters and stories together. And actually the the first novel that I wrote, um, Pay Up and Die, or as Armand likes to say, Pay Up and Die. Um, you know, it's a it's a dark psychological thriller that is largely autobiographical, uh, based on my, you know, situation being let go from corporate America. So um you know, I I won't reveal how much is exactly autobiographical versus fiction, but it, it's it's a really good mix. And, um, you know, so, so that, you know, those characters in that story became the series and, and basically it, the Genesis of it was due to my, uh, losing my job. And, you know, it really became a story about, um, you know, us working our tails off and, you know, we don't live large or anything, you know, we don't try and keep up with the Joneses and yet, the money just funnels straight from the paycheck to our bills. And, uh, you know, you end up living hand to mouth. And then what happens if, if you lose your job? And, and in this case, in the story, you know, that the character's daughter is sick. And so there's medical bills. So that's different. But, um, you know, the, the, the tenant of the story is the same though. You know, how far are you willing to go to, uh, to take care of your family. And, and so those were really deeply personal questions that I was going through, you know, um, what would I be willing to do to make sure that, you know, the mortgage was paid for my family. So if that's not creepy enough, (laughs)
0: right. And so what, what was kind of the, 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 the strategy in the sense of, okay, I got this, you know, novel that's kind of based on my life. Um, and, and by the way, I just thought of this. Sorry, my my brain goes all over. So if you, I'm a little ADD. But um, Stephen Pressfield just wrote a book called The Knowledge. I don't know if you've heard about that one. Um, but you know, he writes a lot about you know resistance and art and just the self doubt and stuff. But he wrote an actual novel about his resistance of writing his first novel um, back in the '70s. It's actually really interesting. It's a thriller kind of fun detective story, but it's based on his life and and um, you know what was going on trying to write his his novels it took him 30 years but um anyway kind of the same idea um but so as you're as you're kind of you got the story idea you're you're writing this story i mean are you just like hey i need to self-publish uh that's obviously the only route i have right now i mean what was kind of the thought of like okay how do i pay my mortgage how do i you know bring in some money as i don't have a job what did that look like for you
1: well, uh, I did a lot of internet research on the black market and what I can do, you know, how far I can go to sell my children. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, what is the going rate? I mean, we had the, actually had that conversation the other day. It's just...
1: not high enough, unfortunately. Okay,
0: okay. Because there was one kid, and we have three. I, I was just like, you know, we, we could, I don't know, probably get some good money for this one.
1: Yeah, well, the, the threat is always there, you know, to keep everybody on the up and up. But, right. um, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, there were some some really uh soul searching conversations with my wife and I um you know and, and she has a job and you know we we had to cut corners and do some different things in order to make it work you know it, it's it's not easy and it's um you know it it's a huge loss of income obviously but um you know she was willing to allow me to to chase my dream so um you know I I I think behind and it's so cliche but behind every great writer and and great businessman i think is you know a great wife and and I have that and i would not be sitting here today if it weren't for her um you know but it, it, i i decided to go the indie route just because um i i don't agree with the you know the publishing um, industry's standards in terms of uh turnaround you know and i get it because of the, the limited resources they have in terms of people and editors and everything else but um, I was not willing to sit on the sideline and wait six months to a year to find out if they liked it or not and then wait another year to 18 months for the book to hit the shelves sure. Um, sure. you know I am a uh, I'm a diehard you know I, I work my butt off every day and, and I've always been that way you know my parents raised me to be that way and in in my mind, um, I that wasn't quick enough for me. You know, I had to work, so that's why I kind of crank out you know a novel a month. It's uh, I I literally wake up and all I think about is the stories and the books and and getting them out and uh, you know regardless of money or sales or anything else it's that's that's really what drives me is telling those stories so. I could never sit and and wait for a publisher to to respond to me. Now it doesn't that doesn't mean that I won't try someday. You know, I I, I do submit short stories to anthologies and and stuff like that. You know, I had one published in an anthology, and I've had a bunch of them rejected. Um, but in terms of publishing my books, you know, I, I've read so many great you know indie authors and and. Um, and their stories are just as good, if not better, I think, sometimes than the stuff that comes from publishing houses because they, they can push the limits and don't have to worry about, you know, what somebody from up above thinks is proper for the market. And uh, some of the greatest stuff out there is independent. So I said, that, that's the route I'm going, and 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 I stuck with it. So, um, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's hard. You know, there's a lot of learning and, and mistakes and and stuff like that, you know, because you got to do it all. You have to worry about the cover and the editing and, um, you know, the marketing. But, um, yeah, I, I, love every minute of it. I wouldn't change it for the world. So,
0: so you, let's get a little timeline here. So it looks I mean, you have like 20 things according to Amazon on, on your, your page there. Um, i mean it looks like most of them are 2016 if i'm not correct um so when when was kind of the first uh first book what what are we looking at here as far as we're january 19 2017 kind of what what what's been your production rate
1: yeah i things were slow at first uh mostly because i was new to it and i was still trying to figure things out and learn scrivener and all that kind of stuff and so you know i i Finally got around to publishing that uh, nonfiction book. Um, I'm going to say like September of 2015 or something like that, okay. and and then uh, it took me a few more months to kind of figure out the, the business side and and really develop some of those stories. And it, actually, going back to the self-publishing podcast, it wasn't until I went to Austin, Texas, to be a part of the Smart Smarter Artists Summit with with Johnny and, and Dave and Sean. Um, that i i was really um fired up and and came away with so much uh, that i had to get done you know at that point i had not published my first novel yet but it was almost done and um i I really picked up on the energy and so many great people and and really cool authors and and i came back and i said that's it i gotta go i gotta make things happen and (laughs) And I just dug in and, uh, you know, finished the first book, and then it jumped into the second one, and then I came up with another story, and I started writing that one. And, and uh, you know, so really, yeah, I, I I really did most of my damage so far in 2016 just because that was when I really caught the bug and, and went crazy. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to slow down this year, but Armand keeps <laughs> – keeps reeling me he's like you know the business side is going to take more time and and i'm definitely seeing that i I struggle you know every day with the facebook and the twitter and keeping up with everybody and and um it's it's hard but but the writing aspect um i just love it i could sit there all day and write Mm
0: -hmm. yeah you 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 talk about writing you know book a month um you know obviously you're not writing like you know, hundred thousand word tomes either. Oh. Um, what's kind of your average length of a, of a story that you're you're pumping out?
1: Yeah, my stories are generally in the fifty five to sixty thousand word range. Um, you know, I, I have the a newer series that's the uh, the zombie lockup uh, series, and that's going to be ten novellas. So those are like twenty five thousand words mm-hmm. each. Um, yeah, I like to keep it. You know. Tight and and short and sweet. Um, again, I I don't think I could ever be a Stephen King and be that verbose and, and tell such great stories. Um, but I think my stories are are really good. They're just you know tighter and, mm-hmm. and and shorter. You know, I get right to the meat of it and and do it. So um, yeah. so that's why I'm able to do it. You know, book a month because um, fifty thousand, sixty thousand is probably about as as high as you can get without going crazy in a month. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know that's like a nano You know, a month it's sixteen. What is it? Sixteen sixty-seven words a day. That's that's not crazy, actually.
1: Uh, Well, I I blew my doors off, and uh, you know, and and you'll you'll hear about it on the Mondo Method podcast. But um, Armand and I, you know, we we decided to do nano and. And and I blew out a hamstring. I, I basically wrote sixty three thousand words, like the most I ever wrote in a month, and uh I basically did nothing in December because I you know, I, I left nothing in the tank. So uh needless to say, you know, I will probably do nano again in the future, but I will not uh go that crazy because I I, I kinda overdid it. So um that, that was that was a fun month, but it was a tough one to recover from.
0: <laughs> right yeah we talk a lot about i mean the name of the show prolific writer that's why i have you on as is, is those that you know sit down and do the work and you know it's not about you know well i have 100 books or whatever but but you know the daily writing you know sharing work publishing work i think the beauty of nanowrimo is that it forces you to do that it forces you to finish something and um i first year i did it i did it i don't know five years ago and didn't finish i think i got like twenty thousand words in and just fizzled out and you know i've i think i've Done one every year since like four in a row or whatever. But but once you finish that first one you go, I can do this. I, I can finish. I can hit, you know, the end. And granted yep. it's a you know first draft and it's it's messy and ugly, but 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 there's some psychological thing that kind of unlocks, I really believe, once you finish that first one. Um and I, I wrote a um I write I write nonfiction too, and I wrote my first little thing was just really short, it's probably like fifteen thousand words. But I remember actually finally finishing it, like editing it. The whole thing was done, you know, sent it to an editor, all that. And it just, the the satisfaction and the confidence that you get from that, just just to say, "I, I can do it um, and it doesn't mean it's perfect, but it, but it's all about, yeah, I can do it. Now I move on to the next one. Um, you know, I'm a big, big fan of Dean Wesley Smith. You probably heard him and read him, but mm-hmm. you know, he just says, you got to move on to the next story. You got to move on to the next book. I think people sit around and they worry about, you know, oh I got to fix it and I got to change it and I got to you know market it some more, but he's like, no, you gotta, you gotta go to the next story and, and move on. Um, because that is when the, when the editor, you know, the self editor and the, the, the critical voice comes in and says, Oh, that's junk. But then you just write, you know, it's practice. You write a better one next time. You know, you, you, you try, you try some different stuff the next time. That's the, that's the fun of writing. I mean, I, I find it all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm doing this thing in this book and this is gonna sound really stupid, but, um, or maybe obvious, but I I saw it done in a book and I thought that's really, really good. So there's a bunch of action happening. I'll just give you the synopsis so I don't bore you, but um, you know, uh these cops are chasing this these bad guys, they show up at this abandoned house, this kind of showdown happens, and there's these other two guys that were in a scene before um that hadn't left yet, and then so I, I write this one scene, they're at the house, and then I write another chapter and it's actually the guy the other guys leaving the house and their interaction and things like that. And that that sounds you know, maybe you've done that in a book or whatever, but like I just thought that was a really cool way of telling this story and I read it in another book and kinda of how they did that. And, and it just kind of brought you into a different, you know, different way of reading the story. And I go, well, that was something I've never done. It was just kind of like practice. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you write, you write first person, you write third person, you just try stuff, you know, and, and, and learn how to do it and do it better.
1: Yeah. And, and you've said it, you know, on some of your other shows is that, you know, writing is an art, so. Not everybody's going to like it, you know, sometimes you get bad reviews and because and people just don't get it. Um, and sometimes the feedback is warranted, you know, sometimes the bad review is is right. You know, I see what their 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 view is and I agree with it. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm going to change the story, you know, that the story is the way it was told in my head and the way that I put it out onto you know, into the universe. So um, but, you know. To give two plugs again for the the self publishing podcast guys, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with the write publish repeat. You know, just do it, get it out there, and 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 finish it. And and part of you know what I learned from those guys was just the learning to be okay with imperfection because I think uh, you know going back to just finishing something, I think I spent a lot of years you know writing for myself in the closet not. I, I was afraid to put stuff out there because I was afraid that it wasn't perfect. And they gave me the the excuse or, or the, the permission to say, it's okay. You know, this is what I have and here it is. And then going back to the Mondo Method podcast, I mean, the thing that I loved about, you know, learning from Armand is – you know, I would, I would while away hours trying to write and, you know, his Mondo method, I mean, I can't do what he does. He does a 15 minute sprint and he gets like a thousand words. My Mondo method is an hour sprint. So I write for an hour and get the same output that he does. But man, it was enlightening to change to that process because my all day writing to get 3000 words a day now came down to three hours, you know, so it opened up so much more time for other things. So, um, you know, making a long story short you're right you just got to get stuff out there finish it because then then you feel propelled to go on and do other things um but you have to be okay with the story the way it is and and be satisfied that you know it's your story and you're telling it the way you Mm -hmm. want it to and not everyone's gonna like it
0: right yeah I, i think there's no way of telling um you know, I picked this up from people on the way. There's no way of telling. If I were to read your book, read one of your books, and I'm reading a paragraph, there's no way to tell from that paragraph if you were having a good day or a bad day. There's yeah. no way for me to tell if it was edited four thousand times or one time. Um, you know, there's just this this myth that that goes around that well. Obviously, this book was rewritten forty nine times and edited by fourteen different New York Times best selling editors. You know, or whatever. Um, but, but, but re- really a sentence is a sentence and a word is a word. And, um, and I think that, that that's just, a something we've kind of picked up along the way. That's just simply not true of past writers. I mean, think about all the people that wrote on typewriters. I mean, they okay. didn't edit, they couldn't. And if they did, it was a nightmare, you know, and they just plowed ahead and, you know, did the best they could and, and cranked out the work. But I mean, could you really tell if it was how well it was edited or not? Um, you know, and I think there's just again, I think when people hear read a good story, they're they're not so hung up on, oh, I did not like the way he put a you know comma there or the word he used there or it wasn't flowery enough. I think some of that's just personal preference, uh, but you know, a good story is a good story, and uh, you know, people are going to overlook that. Um, you know, I like you know, I've, I've said that already. I like you know Lee Child, I like James Patterson, I like because it's a very um, stripped down kind of thin kind of writing, which I enjoy reading. I, you know, I really do like Stephen King, but as I get older, it's like, I just can't read a thousand page book. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the time. And I, you know, he's great and he, he writes really well, but, you know, and sometimes his endings suck, you know? And, um, you know, I, I was reading, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Revival. It's one of his No, I,
1: I have it, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's a great story, but like, you know, by the time I get to the end, I was just like, man, you could have like ended that like 20,000 words ago. Um, yeah. You know, so again i don't know if that's him that's the publisher i don't know you know expectation um but you know i again a good story is a good story so um yeah there there's just this 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 kind of built-in resistance this built-in doubt um that you know it's not flowery enough it's not descriptive enough it's not long enough it's not it's too you know maybe it's too long you know whatever it is um and then we just we we don't want to share our work we don't want to publish and um, I, I'm definitely on board with you and and others that say you know the enemy of you know done is perfection or perfection is the enemy of done or however they say it um, because we just keep you know polishing it polishing it polishing it and never sharing it um, so so let's talk a little bit um, just as you've kind of gone through you know your process and I know you talk a lot about this on your uh, on the Mondo method podcast, but, um, but some of your process and some of the things that you've kind of evolved and, and changed along the way, I always find it interesting just out uh, as you're, you know, starting, you're writing this first novel, you're not really sure where to start or what to do. You're studying a lot. You're thinking about stuff. Um, kind of share a little bit about what, what are the things you've kind of been learning along the way? I mean, are you a, you know, out heavy outliner guy, are you a pantser? does editing rewriting look like for you? Talk a little bit about your process and how you crank out a, a book once a month.
1: Okay, um yeah, I started out as a one hundred and ten percent um outliner, and I do still outline you know spending twenty five years in the financial industry as a project manager and everything it's a financial analyst, everything is very regimented, you know, so you know exactly where you're going each day and the meetings and everything else and and even even finishing a project, you know, there's the scope and, and you write it up and then you follow the milestones, etc. So, you know, I, I, I've always been heavy on process. So uh, to me, the outline was the way to go um, because of, you know, spending all that time in the business world, but also just because I find if I if I start without a roadmap, I wander too much and I really don't get around to it. So um, so that was the, the start. And now I am a hybrid somewhere in between. So I start with an outline. Um, I outline the same way I always did from, from day one, but I find that I can meander and take detours and let the characters and the story dictate a little bit. Um, and, And so I'll go off into little places that I didn't think of when I did the outline, but at least the outline brings me back and I know exactly how to, finish the story and, you know, the, the, the beats that I have to hit in order to satisfy, you know, the horror genre and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so I'm really in between, um, you know, starting with a heavy outline and then, and then meandering from there. So
0: do you have a, do you have a way of, I've always found this an interesting question, but a way of saying, okay, when I outlined this book, it was a lot better, but when I pants this one, it was poor or vice versa. I mean, when you kind of think about the, all the different stories you've written, I mean, talk a little bit about that. Are there any examples you could give how this one was really well outlined and it went really well or poorly or vice versa? Um, I
1: haven't. Th- there haven't been any that I felt uh, went off the rails in my mind, you know, um there were some surprises, you know. Uh, I, I started a a new series, um, I, a series I called the Gusher series. So it, it's supposed to be like True Blood on steroids. So it's it's a st- you know it's and, and if you listen to the Mondo Method, you know Armand and I are big fans of Seinfeld. So it's it's my Seinfeldian story about vampires without vampires. So um, it's basically a bunch of you know well-to-do high school kids, seniors, and before graduation, you know, they're bored and they, they come up with something um, that gets a little out of control. So basically, I, I knew that the kids were going to be doing stuff like having sex. Um, I did not know it would go to the levels that it did. And, you know, I so I was shocked by that um, myself as a writer, because I, I never imagined it going that far. Um, but I really felt that the story dictated it in order to raise the stakes or paint the stakes as high as they were and what was going on with these 18-year-olds. So, you know, it was... I, I I never had the intent of sitting down and writing graphically sexual scenes, um, but the story took me there. And, and similarly, I, I had uh, stuff with uh, one of my other series, too, where, you know, children ended up getting killed and, and there was a rape scene and stuff. And again, I never set out to write stuff um, that's bad, like that. You know, even though it's hard, um, I, I have the 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 horror bent, but I I, I don't start out with saying, oh, I'm going to shock people and have somebody get raped or something. You know, it, it uh, again. I think the stakes and 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 the the plot and the characters with their emotions kind of lead you to certain places. So. Um, from that standpoint, I was just as surprised, I think, as the readers that that the stories went to those places. And um, you know, I really didn't like the rape scene. You know, the kids, yeah, I could kill a kid here or there, and that's oh, not yeah. such. A- yeah. and, and as a parent, you learn to uh, to deal with those <laughs> with the <laughs> issues. But uh, you know, the the rape thing was hard. That that was that was I I definitely felt um, I had to walk away from that story when I wrote it um, for like a few days because mm-hmm. I. I didn't feel good, and I actually toyed with taking it out. Uh, but every time I went back and and reviewed the the chapter um, again, it, it was really the natural place that it had to go um, in order for the story to be right in my mind. So, so so that's surprising. I think uh, uh, you know sometimes where where the characters and the stories lead you, um, but I've never found anything. I think that it, it didn't go the right way. Um, luckily, so far, you know. Uh, of course, that's that's against some of the the bad reviews on on things here or there. <laughs> you know, those people think that things went really awry. But uh, but you know, that's that's um, that's the process, and and I kind of learned to live with the story the way it is. Now, in terms of editing and going back, uh, you know, I I try not to toy with things too much um you know because I like the visceral again coming at it from a horror and a thriller standpoint I like the the raw emotion and and the visceral uh attitude that's behind the words so you know I, I know I've listened to your show and and you know you've talked a lot about Lee child and and not really going back and, and editing too heavily and and initially I started out with heavy edits and, um, I've really tapered off. So, you know, I have a beta reader and I have an editor and, uh, they give me feedback and nine times out of 10, I agree with their feedback and I make the changes. Uh, the other one time, you know, I, I scratch it off and I go, Nope, you know, that's the way the story is. And that's, that's how it's saying. And, and, uh, and that's it. You know, I, I don't tinker too much with it because, um, I feel that it gets rid of the, um, impetuousness of, of, that angst and, and you know aggression that comes through in the story. So um, I don't know if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does. I think that that's the, what you were talking about earlier about, you know, writing fast and perfection. And, um, you know, when you wrote, wrote that paragraph or that line, that's just where you were at that time. And that's what you were feeling or thinking or seeing. Um, I think for me, when I'm editing, I'm realizing it's not changing the storyline. Um, sometimes I have to, cause I goofed up, but, it's more because the sentence is clunky and it doesn't make sense. It's not clear. Um, that's why I find I'm mostly editing, you know, spelling, grammar, and then just kind of clunky sentences. But, but I'm trying to just say, you know, that's 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 where I was at that moment when that part of the story was written. Like you're saying, I didn't want to write this, you know, crazy rape scene, but felt like that's where the the subconscious kind of went and needed for that story maybe to be believable or, like you said, cause conflict or tension um that i think that's for me the the hardest thing with outlining is when i write things down it's almost ridiculous i never end up even close to the outline and um you know maybe just maybe it just helps me to kind of get started but but the reality yeah. is that it, it's, it's so far from where i began that I'm, I'm just kind of going i think that's good too just to have that room to kind of say you know this scene needs to be here um, and, and then you surprise yourself like, wow, I can't believe he said that, <laughs> you know, that's the fun of telling stories. Can you believe he said yeah. that? <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you've touched on it before too, is, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I edit a sentence. Um, I'm never satisfied with it. You know, I don't oh, think yeah. any author satisfied with, with their work, you know, it, and that's part of the thing you, you, you have to just release it because first of all, I have way too many stories. I mean, my calendar is, if I were to continue my pace now of publishing a novel a month, um, my calendar is booked every month through 2026. That's how many stories and ideas I have already germinating, written down, outlined, et cetera, ready to go. Um, I just don't have time to, to keep going back to make something perfect, you know, so I get it as perfect as I can. And I always sweat and, and, you know, shake when I h- hover my finger over the submit button on Amazon to release the book. But um, I've just learned to get over it and, and move on. And, and um, you know, it, it's never going to be perfect, and I realize that. But, yeah, some of my stuff goes out there, and I wish I could pull it back and change it, right. you know. Uh, but not, like you said, not change the story or the plot, um, It's but change the words inside, so –
0: And you probably look at your first few books and say, you know, yeah, those, those are not my best, but that's just where I was. I mean, that's where you started. You got to start somewhere. Um, You know, you read reviews all the time. It's like, oh, obviously this author's getting better. And it's like, yeah, because he keeps writing, you know, he's, he's on his 10th book or 20th book or 30th story or whatever. Uh, And, and that's, that's part of the evolution, you know, of, of growing as a storyteller and a writer and just getting comfortable with your own method and your own style and, um, you know, that works for you. Um, So you talk a little bit about outlining, rewriting, editing, things like that. Um, What other things are you um, uh, learning along the way? I know, uh, you know, you and Armand always, you know, he always gets on you about, you know, you got to market more and you got to do business and all that. And, um, you know, it's funny because I'm hearing such conflicted voices about social media, for example, and just what a waste of time it is. you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna sell your books. All it's going to do is really just say, Hey, I'm alive and I'm here and you know, whatever. But, um, so, you know, you're always choosing your time, you know, I got to write, I got to do marketing, all this kind of stuff. What about some other um, areas, other realms of writing in the whole business? How are you kind of learning along the way?
1: Uh, yeah, well, definitely the social media and the, and the marketing or promotional aspect is, um, I think is the most difficult. And some people would probably argue with me, you know, in the business world, because they'd be like, no, the writing part is the hardest. But, uh, you know, like you said, it's not like you're selling books on Twitter and Facebook. But at the same time, um, you know, you have to be present for people to find you. So so that's really what it is. It's, it's really like making a connection, um, starting out, building some kind of relationship. And obviously, it's an online relationship. You know, you're not getting together and sitting over a fire, picking some beers with a lot of people that you'd meet. Um, but at the same time, you know, they don't, you know, if they go to Amazon right now and look for your books, you're one of, you know, like 10 million books out there. Right. Uh, but if they see your name or, or a picture of you or your book on Twitter or Facebook, you know, then, then there's at least an established connection somewhere. So you hope that that leads to sales, but initially, no, probably not. And it's, and it is just, just a huge time suck. Um, so that's difficult. The the other part of uh, I I think the the hardest part that I'm learning, you know, um from my tutelage with with Armand is uh is just trying to shorten the mistakes and uh you know, no matter how much he teaches me, I I I run into the brick wall head first. So <laughs> You know, I, I'm a stubborn Hungarian, um, so I have my own way of doing things. I'm also I'm I'm not old, but I'm old enough to uh, be set in my ways on certain things. So, you know, um, it, it's a slow burn to learn from his mistakes. And, uh, and you know, it's funny too because uh, the the show is pitched as you know I'm the young whippersnapper and he's the grizzled old veteran, but we're actually two days apart. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, we, we love to joke and, and like, bust everybody's chops. Um, but, uh, you know, But so he's been doing it, you know, six years longer than me and technically even longer because he's been writing and publishing stuff for, for years and years, um, but full time for six years. So the hardest part, I think, is just to to understand what he's telling me is, you know, and it's not necessarily like you've said before. It's not just because he's giving me advice. It doesn't mean it's the right way. It may have worked for him but it might not work for me. And, you know, that's with all this kind of advice is, you know, sometimes something works for one of us and it doesn't for everybody else and vice versa. Um, but at the same time, I I really need to take his advice, you know, and, and try to incorporate it. And I do, but I think I'm just too slow at doing it because I've got my own ways and my methods, but I'm already turning the worm. So, uh, you know, after doing the, the show with him for a couple months, I, I'm I've shifted, and you know, my plan this year is not to publish one a month; it's to publish almost one a month. So I've already, you know, rejiggered it down to like nine books instead of twelve. Um, but it's probably even going to be shorter than that uh, as things progress. So um, you know, I I try to keep it loose. I I learn, but at the same time. Um, you got to adjust on the fly just like I did in the business world. So, you know, the markets change and the way you do business changes And the same as, I mean, self-publishing, God, it changes constantly, you know, things are always changing.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, uh, Hugh Howie. Uh, you probably heard of him, obviously um, his, his advice was, or his goal, his, his strategy was I'm going to write 10 books and then I'm going to start marketing them. And, and I, I always, you know, I think it was his night, maybe his ninth book that he, hit with wool but he had written all these you know ya titles before that and you know unknown author obviously and then wool took off and went crazy and now he's a millionaire but um but but i always thought that was really good advice because i think you know when you start out you know your stuff's just not that good it's just not i mean i mean you could be that you know unique flower that writes that bestseller the first one but but you know really working on the craft and working on the you know the whole business you know the publishing side the covers the editing your your style your process all that and then when you have you know a decent sized catalog now you say okay i can relax a little bit and start focusing more on the on the marketing side and the business side and you know because i have something to point people to i actually have a lot of stuff to point people to
1: that's a little bit i think
0: what sterling stone does and you know the self-publishing guys uh, is you know their crazy couple years of just cranking out you know 100 books and then saying okay we need to make these you know the best we can and then you know start marketing them a little better and um, and I think there's just some wisdom in that um, because because in the end I think you've said it many times over is you still have to write the book and you still have to put your butt in the chair and they're not going to write themselves and you know if you've got story ideas until 20... You know, 2026 or whatever, uh, you know, again, they're not gonna, they're not just gonna magically, you know, appear. Um, and so then you learn how to kind of balance the, the business side too. And what, what's the best use of my time as far as business? Best use of your time is always writing the next book. I mean, hands down. I mean, I would thank
1: you. Can you tell Armand that, please? Yeah. Well,
0: you know, Armand, he's got his own issues. We don't have, you know, that's a whole nother episode. We'll probably have to do a part two if we want to talk about him, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, and I think he's in a different place too. I mean, I think he has, he has so much stuff that, you know, and so many projects, I mean, short stories and, you know, traditional publish and indie publish and all that, that it's a different animal, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think now, you know, your first couple of years is just about really cranking it out and, um, you know, getting those stories out there and, and finding, finding kind of who you are too.
1: Yeah, I just don't see with my work ethic um, anytime soon me being able to be satisfied with just a few books in a year. Um, you know, that's the problem. And and then he always reels me back in, and, and he's right. You know, he says, well, you can continue to write all those stories. You just don't have to publish them, you know, so get ahead of it and and write the stories. Maybe I write as if I'm publishing 12 books for the year, but I only release six or seven and then the other 5 or 6, you know, are are trunked and ready to go. So if I get sick for a month, you know, and I can't write, I have a book that I can release. Um I just can't sit on stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's out, it's fresh, it's like hot off the oven. I I got to toss it out there. So um you know, that that's hard for me. It's a big challenge.
0: Right. Yeah, I I think that's the the challenge is just kind of even how you know, how you do it and how you schedule it and how you, you know, but, you know, I think you're, you're, you're writing at such a pace that you're going to have that cushion and, you know, starting to have that cushion too, where you can kind of slow down a little bit and then, you know, then kind of slowly bleed them out over time. Um, Yeah. I just, again, I think it almost comes back to that whole, you know, you hear this advice about, you know, the 30 day cliff and all that. I think we get too obsessed over that. um, And then you feel this pressure. Well, if I don't have something every 30 days, I'm going to die. And and, again, I think there's there's just something about um, that can't be the main motivator for writing your your stories, you know, and writing your books uh, is that 30-day cliff. Because then you're going to just start writing junk and not really thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it and why you love doing this. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it's – there's still that kind of quality of life too, like – um, i I don't know if you're listening to the interview with a guy named Mike Duran, but I mean he literally yeah. started he started yeah. having you know physical you know anxiety and and health issues because he had this publishing contract and he 's just like i can't get it done, and he just felt so much pressure I have to get it out there and i'm just i can't do it um and so in some ways indie you know going indie has allowed him to kind of slow down a little bit and not have to stress so much.
1: Yeah. I, and th- that was a great interview with with Mike. And I, I enjoyed that one. It's, uh, you know, I, I originally started off with the 30 day cliff as the reason for my productivity, you know, um, which just seemed to fit with my work ethic. You know, so it was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, every 30 days, you know, it keeps me on target, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just go through it. Um but now it's just because I've got all those dang stories lined up and, and they're all fighting inside my mind to to get out. You know, they all want to be told. So so it started as a 30 day cliff and now it's become just the obsessive compulsive, um, you know, ADD multiple universe of voices in my head that just they're all beckoning to to be released. And, and that's what I'm up against now. So. <laughs> right. so i know the stress and pressure that mike went through uh, and um you know those deadlines are self-imposed but um i don't know if those voices would ever let me you know shorten it or, or lengthen it. i guess
0: yeah and i you know and that's that whole episode is about knowing knowing yourself and if that's who you are and that's how you work i mean do it um you know dean wesley smith great example he, you know he's like hey i'm am a I'm a modern pulp writer jake bible interviewed him too he writes a book a month it's 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 who he is. He, he, you know, he's, he, I think it's funny cause he says, well, I, I would write slower if I, if I could, but I got to pay my bills, but I don't think he would. I honestly don't. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's the same way. He has so many stories and so many ideas that he doesn't know how to just sit. And, um, and that's okay. Uh, you know, Stephen King, that guy is phenomenally productive and he writes, you know, the longest books. I mean, thousand page, you know, I'm looking over here my, you know, bookshelf. He's got you know, Desperations like a thousand uh, under the domes, like a thousand, and and he finishes these things in three months. But it's yeah, just, <laughs> he, he's two two thousand words a day. Never misses a day, and he says, "Don't write longer than a season," and and that's just his process. He's got you know one. He does one draft, like a rewrite. He's got a beta reader, and he's done. It's off to the editor. I mean, I think there's a, a myth that he rewrites the crud out of his books, and he doesn't. Um, you know, you looked at – if you have the book on writing in the back, they have an example of one of his manuscripts.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mm-hmm. That's a great book.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's funny because – he jokes about, oh, look, look, here's a professional writer, and look at all the, the the mistakes. But actually, his mistakes really are just very nominal. You know, he takes out a character, or changes their name, or you know, cuts out a paragraph. But but you know, he's not rewriting that story. You know, he's not changing it. He's he's just making it cleaner and and prettier. Um, and and yet that's kind of it's just that workman, you know, ethic. It's just put put on the hard hat and going to work and. And I think writers ha- have to have that mentality of of not this I'm waiting for the muse I'm waiting for the i that that idea that's you know fell from heaven, um, but just getting our butts in the chair and just working at it and 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 then we it's funny after a year you look you you sit back and you go wow that that's a lot of words that's a lot of books that's a lot of stuff and it's just it's kind of chiseling away every day. And, uh, and I think that's, we'll be amazed what we can actually accomplish and create in a, in a short period of time.
1: Yeah. My wife always reminds me because we, know, we have the stack of my books, um, sitting in in our living room and, and she'll be like, look at what you've done in the last year. And and, (laughs) I I enjoy that for about 30 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, but, (laughs) but I have another one that's due in January and I got another story that has to come out, you know, so it's, it's like back to the grind. So, uh. Yeah, it, it's true you, you um, every once in a while though you have to stop and, and and enjoy kind of your accomplishment and my goal is to hit that 10,000 hours of butt and seat time as soon as possible <laughs> you know because because uh, I want to get to that expert level storytelling uh, where people you know really need to read my story so um, I agree with the the whole pulp fiction thing you know you just you just want to tell good stories you just want people to wanna read your stuff and be interested in it. I you know, I'm not looking to win Nobel prizes or, or do all any of that stuff. Right. I just right. I just want people to forget their problems and, and have fun reading the story. Sure. And that's it.
0: Yeah, and that's that's it. I mean that we gotta remember it's fun it's supposed to be fun. I mean Dean Wesley Smith talks about it all the time. He's like if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. You know, he's like we're not curing cancer, we're not making, you know, nuclear bombs we're we're not stopping global warming we're we're writing stories to entertain people and um and you got to have fun you know and and enjoy life too i mean you have family you have friends it's not just you know staring at a screen too and enjoying that and and i think the long game too um is is just thinking you know a career not thinking you know what's hot what market is hot um if you get a chance check out the uh latest episode on the creative pen joanna penn's podcast if you ever listen to that um, yeah. Catherine Rush, who's Dean Wesley Smith's wife is on there. And, uh, and she says that she's just like, there's so many people chasing the market and she's been writing for 50 years, you know, um, chasing markets and, and these little sub genres. And he's like, these are going away next year. You know, they're going to change all the time. She's like, think about the next 10 years. Think about the stories you want to tell. Think about your own unique angles and don't stress about, you know, if sci military sci-fi is happening right now or not. Um, And she she says you'll just have a better career. You'll have a more fulfilling career because you're writing the stories you want to write.
1: Yeah, she's so right. I mean, if you if you I know you've talked about Isaac Asimov before, and you know I grew up reading Isaac Asimov, and I I love you know the Robot and all that stuff and um, the Foundation series, and that's exactly it. You know, you can read his stuff now and be like, wow, that's cheesy science fiction. Yeah, today but those stories are still timeless. The characters and and the plots and the stuff that they go through still mean something today, even though they were written, you know, 50, 60 years ago. So, uh, right. You gotta, you gotta write what you want to write and put it out there and let the markets, um, come around to you or do it in, in spite of the markets and, you know, make you make your way in the world.
0: Sounds good to me. Well, Hey Chuck, our time is running to the end. I don't want to keep all your time. I know you got, nine more books to write before the end of the day so um so tell us uh, two things one what are you working on right now and then secondly how can we find you
1: okay uh i just finished up the second book of the zombie lockup series so that goes live on monday so or by the time people are listening to this it'll already be live um i'm working on the second book of the gusher series so the book is called slashing away and uh and then I've got a bunch of other projects lined up. So, you know, I'm, I'm still doing pieces of other stories. But yeah, people can find me. Um, I'm Author Chuck Buddha on Amazon. Um, find me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, ChuckBuddha.com is my website. I'm on Instagram now. I'm, I'm starting to learn that. I'm under Author Chuck on there, too. So uh, I have a funny video on there where I was out of breath and exercising. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm basically everywhere. So All just right. look for chuck and you can find me
0: well good stuff chuck hey thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, i know this episode is going to help a lot of people
1: well thank you um, i really love your show and i'm honored to be included so i appreciate it
0: all right thanks chuck we'll see you soon thank you thanks for stopping by the prolific writer podcast please leave a review on itunes so we can help more writers share their stories with the world and head over to rockhousepublishing.com for books resources and other writing and publishing tips see you next time Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals, concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences,